There's only one voice of Townview. This is Silver. What's up? This is The weekend. I'm Travis Scott. This is Drizzy. Trust me, at the top it isn't lonely. KSBM Radio. live and hashtag SBM Family Matters, SBM Townview. Thank you. You are listening to KSBM Radio. It's my station. The voice of Townview as we broadcast live from Townview Magnus Book at KSBM Radio and Snapchat at KSBM Radio underscore TVT. Welcome back. Um, so we have the lovely Miss Dr. Brown here. Uh, she's a principal of ESSM, and we're just going to do an interview with her, just get to know her. And if you didn't know, she was also an author of um, Beyond the Scars, Rise to Healing. And so, yeah, first off, who is Dr. Brown? Well, first of all, I would just like to say I'm just honored to be here in your presence. You guys are amazing. It's great to be here at KSBM. Mm -hmm. and, and, and who is Dr. Brown? Yes. Well, actually, I'm a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> I play a lot of roles. Mm -hmm. I am a mother, mm -hmm. first and foremost. And uh, you all know me as a principal here at Town Management Center. Mm -hmm. I'm also an author of the book, Beneath yeah. the Scar, Rise to Him. And I am a filmmaker. I'm a producer of a film, Beneath the Scar. Right. And so I do quite a few things. And mm -hmm. so those are just some tidbits and things I do. Mm -hmm. So we're in high school and everything. How was your high school and college experience? You know what? I had some great years as a high school student. Mm -hmm. I was an All-American track and field student, oh. uh, athlete. Uh, and I went all over the, the country competing in track and field. And I think that that was the highlight of my high school years and being an All-American, going into college, I had the opportunity to go to major track meets across the country as well. I ran against Loja once and she beat what? me. What? Oh, it was no race at all. <laughs> but, um, I think those were some good experiences. I had some good days and I had some not so great days. I had some incidences that occurred to me that was the impetus for my movie and for the book. Because I am a survivor mm -hmm. of domestic violence, as you all know, t this month is Domestic Violence yes, Month, and I'm wearing the purple. I wear purple quite a bit during the month of October, mm -hmm. because as a survivor and as a, an advocate mm -hmm. for domestic violence, I just want people to be aware that it is 
an epidemic here yeah, in our so. country. Yeah. Did you know that one in four women are abused? Wow. And in the United States, that's two to three million women yes. a year. Yeah. And let's not just say women, there are men who yes, abuse as well. Yeah. yeah, Um. so what did you study in college? Well, I tell you what, I just I just had a conversation a few minutes ago with our principal for the day, Mr. Davis, mm -hmm. and we, we talked about some things. I, I talked about I wanted to be a news anchor. Really? And the weather was cold all the time. Mm -hmm. and my mother said, do you want to be in the cold? And I thought, well, maybe I don't want to be in the cold. <laughs> and so I decided to go into education. I had a cousin who had disabilities. Mm -hmm. And because of her disabilities, it made me have a passion for individuals who had disabilities. So I decided to go into education mm -hmm. when I was in, in college. And so it started there. Really? Mm -hmm. what, was your, what was your motivation? Like, what pushed you to do better? get that higher education and that in education? Well, I, my grandmother uh, was an integral part of my life. Um, she raised me, mm -hmm. and she always told me, whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability and do it for the glory of God. When right. I was a little youngster, she would put me in a chair, my feet would dangle on the floor, I would do my homework, and she mopped the floors of school cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And so I had two grandmothers, her, and I had another grandmother that had a college degree in the 1930s mm -hmm. uh, at Philander Smith College in Arkansas. And it was rare for women, especially women of color, to have degrees. Mm -hmm. So hearing those two women who were strong, vibrant women, they had uh, such a support of education and doing your very best. Right. That encouraged me, along with my mother, inspired me and, and family members. And that's how I ended up doing my very best at whatever I do. Wow. So, uh, I'm sorry, what led you to working here at Townview? Well, I tell you, I was in another neighboring district, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just kind of like a fluke almost. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't know how it happened myself. And a, a position came open, um, and I applied for a position. I didn't get that job. Mm -hmm. And then I did so well in the interview mm -hmm. until I got another call, and they told me, hey, we have a school that we think will be a great fit for you. Mm -hmm. And I just want everyone to know that sometimes when you go and you do something it seems like you're not successful at it, right. it doesn't mean that it, that you won't experience success. Right. Sometimes something just may not be for you. Right. But you just wait, be patient, and do those things you need to do. And I guarantee you most times something better comes along. So I'm just, just excited about being at Townview. I've been here since 2012, wow. and it's been awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for college or high school students? My advice is to do your very best at whatever you do. If you have a goal, you have your vision, mm -hmm. don't give up on your dreams. They're possible. As I did say, we have Mr. Davis. He's our principal for a day here. He was a student just like you here at Telvia. Mm -hmm. And he works for the city of Dallas now, doing incredible things. Whatever you desire to do, go after it. It is possible. Right. And don't let people tell you that it's not. Mm -hmm. It is. But make sure you have a plan and you put that plan in action. You all heard about smart goals, mm -hmm. specific, measurable, attainable, yeah. relevant, mm -hmm. and timely. And have your timelines and have your vision boards and then believe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're an author, you're a principal, you're a mother. Those are some big accomplishments, but to you, what are your greatest accomplishments so far in life? My greatest has been mother. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more joyful than having 
children. In fact, I have two daughters, mm -hmm. and they both attended Townview. Really? One attended the School of Education Social Services, and mm -hmm. she's a senior now at Clark Atlanta University. Mm -hmm. Great to come out. Mm -hmm. And I have another one who attended the School of Science and Engineering, and she's a chemistry pre-med major at wow. Texas Christian University. Wow. Wow. Oh, they are my inspiration. Mm -hmm. So, what is your daughter at Clark um, studying? Mass media. Wow. She does the same thing. She's a part of the team from Clark University. They have a, a radio television team, mm -hmm. and she does a lot of things in media. And she does film production. She's been in a couple of movies. So, she's, she's walking her path. She mm -hmm. enjoys that. She does a lot of pictures. She does a lot of videography, and she does editing. Mm -hmm. So she's learning all those things similar to what you're doing, but she's learning them in, in the university environment. So uh, was there anything that in your life that impacted you the most? Well, I just think, as I just said, my grandmother's impacted me. I think just my life experiences have impacted me, just being able to experience so many different things in life. Mm -hmm. It's been a major impact for me. Yeah, were there any challenges? I think, oh, can I tell you about when I was in elementary school? No. <laughs> oh, guys, believe it or not, when I was in elementary school, I had a problem with speech. Mm -hmm. And they would say, hey, little girl, what's your name? I say, feel the moon, Ethan. What? Feel the moon. My name's Sheila Simone. And I never could pronounce my answers until I had speech. And so that was a major challenge for me. And that's why I tell people all the time, just because something's a challenge now doesn't always mean that it will be a challenge. I think I speak pretty well now. Yes. <laughs> was there anything specific that made you overcome your speech problem? I'm a good speech teacher. <laughs> so I think that teachers are integral. That's what we do at the School of Science, uh, not School of Science and Engineering, the School of Education and Social Services. That's what we do. We educate students to go out to do their very best. If you think about educators, we're the ones who teach people to do the things that they do. So teachers are integral to the success of other people. So uh, what influenced you to become an artist? Well, I tell you, my own experiences, as I did say, I am a survivor of domestic violence. I had a situation where I dated someone in college that was abusive. Mm -hmm. And it took me almost 20 years to break my silence. And first of all, I was really embarrassed. And I felt that, oh my. But I, I just knew that I had to tell my story. I never knew that it would turn into a movie, and it did. How do you think you've impacted others with your book? I know I've made an impact because other people are reading the book, people are having forums. In fact, the city of DeSoto, they are going to have a major screening for free to the public of the, uh, for the city of DeSoto on September 20th. Wow. And anybody can come. And so the thing is, if we can get out the word and help people and support people and let people know there are places they can go, there are safe houses, there are organizations, for instance, such as the family place that I, I, I support and they support me, and a lot of other organizations that can support women and their children and even men in cases if they're victims of abuse. I know um, your main character in your book, her name is Samantha, right? Yes, yeah, Samantha the Koala. <laughs> Do you see yourself in her? When you wrote it, you said 
I see myself in that. Samantha. Yes, Samantha's part of me. Mm -hmm. Samantha Nicole Allen, she's a, a beautiful debutante, and she goes to college, and she, she finds herself the victim of abuse by the hands of her boyfriend. Okay. Now, this young lady, she is known to be in one of the most prominent families right. in the community. Her father's a preacher, mm -hmm. and she takes this walk, this journey, and she meets these people who are victims of abuse. Some of the stories are resilient, some are not so resilient, but one thing about her, She's a strong, determined character, mm -hmm. and I made her that way because it's reflective of who I am because of some of the experiences I've experienced. Mm -hmm. So, yes, <laughs> she's a part of me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I noticed on your, you want to ask a question? Sure. <laughs> the cover of your book is like a mosaic of hearts, and it's a big heart in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's purple. Mm -hmm. so what was your inspiration or ideas well, behind it? Well, first of all, purple, the message yes. balance. Yes, yes. And it is a bleeding heart. Yeah. I love the, the bleeding heart. That flower is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, when you think about a bleeding heart, I think about abuse, mm -hmm. but yet there's some beauty that comes out of the resilience of people who have endured abuse but overcome it, and those people who are supporting those victims to become survivors. So that's how bleeding hearts came out on the cover. So uh, did you actually create the image? Or well, I had a, 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 a person who created an image for me. Mm -hmm. I told him what I wanted, and guess what? His name's Percy uh, uh, Bryant, and he did a remarkable job, and he's the one who did all of the artwork for me. How long did the book take you to write? Um, it took me about six months. Because I, I, I started and I put it down, and I used to wake up every Saturday morning before my girls got up. You know, you don't, you don't get up to noon anyway. <laughs> so I knew I had from about 5.30 until noon to just write. Because I let them sleep in because they were students at Town View, so, you know, <laughs> they were tired. But it gave me time to write. So it took me about six months. Mm -hmm. And that was just taking my time, just casually yeah. writing. Mm -hmm. How did like, oh. the publishing process take? The publishing process took about six months in itself oh, yeah. as well. I did self-publishing myself. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> How do your daughters feel like when they read it? Did they read it? Finally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took them a whole while. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. My oldest daughter, she didn't read the book until it was time for the movie premiere. What? So after the movie came out and then we were getting ready for the premiere. And then she says, Mommy, I read the book. It's about time. I've been telling you about this book. And, and, and they knew it was happening. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, um, okay, okay, okay. But, oh, my mommy really is an author. So it came to light, especially when the movie came out. Wow. Was there any time when you were writing the book or making the movie that you ever felt, like, afraid to do something, like, actually speak out? No, not, no. Because I've gotten past my fears. That's so great. Do you think the book or the movie has made a bigger impact? I think it has. I really think it has. And now we want to share the story with the greater community and in colleges and universities across the country and high schools as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. made like more, do you think it made more people like come out and tell their story? Yes. Yeah. I've had a lot of people come to me and tell stories of things that have been going on with them. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel when they come back and, you know, tell tell you about their stories and their experiences and how they've changed? I feel good because the, the thing for me, the premise is, if I can save just one life, right. it's all worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's 
going through that situation? First of all, I would say that hopefully they can seek counseling, they can seek support if it's an emergency situation. Sometimes you have to dial 911. But um, there are a lot of organizations out there that they can contact. There's a 1-800 number. You can Google 1-800 number. Mm -hmm. If you look on the internet, you can call your local police department and they can give you support. So there are a lot of places that people can go. Mm -hmm. So when you were writing your book, did you ever come across like a writer's block or like did anything stop you from progressing? Let me tell you when I had the writer's block. <laughs> The very last chapter, oh, wow. believe it or not, and the book has a threefold ending. Mm -hmm. It has three different endings, and I did that on purpose because I wanted people to know that in cases of abuse and domestic violence and teen dating violence, the outcomes are different. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the end, the very last chapter, I told my editor, I said, I was writing a thing, and I told my editor, I said, <laughs> I can't think of what to say. <laughs> but finally it came out. It came out. Oh, and the movie, good. the movie has a different ending. Oh. And we did that on purpose. Oh. I'm sure the viewers will love that. Yes. So, I know you went through a similar situation and you gave advice for people who's going through it now, but how did you feel in that moment? Oh, in that moment of horrible. Horrible, afraid, uh, fearful. Yeah. very fearful and being very confident at the time that I went to college and I lost some of my confidence because yeah. abuse can make people lose their confidence yeah. and I had to regain all of that and that's right. why I advocate counseling and mental health wellness mm -hmm. because this is just crucial mm -hmm. that people receive support and you know people when you finally ready, when you were finally ready to come out, who did you go to? I told a friend first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I started writing. Just like that. Just like that. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, would you change anything? No, I wouldn't change anything at this point. I, I wish that I hadn't been in the situation that I was in college. Mm -hmm. If I if I could change anything, I would not have gone through some of the things I, I, I went through. Yeah. But I'm glad that I am now an advocate and I can teach people, here are some of the signs, here are some of the supports, here are some things that you can do to get help. Because to be, believe it or not, not just the victims are victims, <coughs> people who are in their families are impacted. They're victims as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when I ha I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Do you think it made you stronger in a sense? Definitely. Yeah. Every experience that we have, good or bad, it doesn't matter. It makes us stronger. It makes us wiser. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would have come out earlier if you had a similar situation in like high school? Oh, doubtful. I'm not. I'm, I think it would have been different in high school. Mm -hmm. See, in yeah. high school, you're around people. You're around your friend. You're around your family. <coughs> But in college, when you're by yourself, especially if you're a student and you go to school out of state and you're not near your family, sometimes it's a little bit different. Yeah, and it's happening more with teens now. Yes, and, it is. and it's really sad. And I think um, when you're around all those people, you're embarrassed. Right. And so you're scared to come out. And sometimes 
we have to advocate for other people speaking up right. for people. Not necessarily getting involved if you see it happening, but even someone who's not a victim, but someone who's someone watching mm -hmm. and knowing that it's going on, even at the high school level. Let a teacher know, let a counselor know, let your principal know. Mm -hmm. If you go to college and you see it, let someone know. Yes. I think a lot of um, a lot of reasons why people don't come out is because like they're afraid of consequences. Yes. They're, yeah. And they're afraid of not being heard. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So, um, earlier you said that it took about 20 years for you to come out. Was it ever a burden for you during those 20 years? Well, it's more so I tried to not think about it as much. Mm -hmm. And I had a father that would have done anything to protect me. And one of the reasons why I didn't break my silence is if I was afraid of what my father may do. Mm -hmm. Think about it. No one wants anyone doing anything to their child. Right. And so it, it, my father went to his grave not even knowing. Wow. That's scary. Yeah, it is scary. But speak up. Yes. Mm -hmm. Was there any point in college that you felt powerless? Like Many you times. were in bed? Yeah. Many times. Did you feel that not having your family around was like a big major part of like not having a good support system and that's why you didn't speak? I think it was some of it. But still, I did have friends. Mm -hmm. I had members of my track team, mm -hmm. and they were there. They were my family, and they were integral in helping me to get out of it. Yeah. So, so uh, sorry, guys. Unfortunately, we're going to have to come to an end with mm -hmm. this segment. Um, make sure to follow us on KSBM underscore TVT at Instagram and Twitter and Twitter. KSBM Radio at Facebook and KSBM Radio underscore TVT on Snapchat. Um, use the hashtags KSBM We Live, hashtag SBM Family Matters, and hashtag KSBM Talbot. Thank you. And tune in for the next segment. Like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion. Like how a single word can make a heart open I might only have one match But I can make an explosion
small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion, like how a single word can make a heart open. An explosion. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Prove I'm alright song. My power is turned up. So right now I'll be strong. I'll be my fight song. And I don't really care if nobody else believes. Cause I've still got. And I'm Chloe. And for our next topic, we have the origin of domestic violence awareness. So, so if you don't know what domestic violence is, it's the victimization of a person with whom the abuser has or has intimate or romantic or spousal relationship. And they use violence against them to assert dominance over them. Whether it be stalking, whether it be physical, mental, um, verbal, yeah, they just they just um, try to put you down all the time, and it's a very serious case, and it happens way too often, and it's so un like there's not a lot of awareness about it, and certain people they don't know much about it, mm-hmm. and it has been domestic violence against women has been prevalent for over 2,000 years. Started with um, Roman laws telling them that men can have the, they can basically have, uh, what is it? They basically, yeah, basically like that. And they can, they have the rule over their life or death, whatever. Yeah. They can do whatever they want with the woman. And that's basically been pushed out to now. And it's really sad. Because there has no has been no like gender equality against with women and men. So the origin goes really far back. Yeah, you know, this is a yeah, this is a very serious topic. I see a lot of our youth and generation play about these things mm-hmm. these days. You know, mm-hmm. and October is um National Domestic Violence Month, and you wear purple. Yes, it's month. the purple ribbon, and um, it was. It began in 1981 by the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence as Day of Unity to connect battered battery women advocates across the world. Um, since the Violence Against Women Act passed in 1994, they've come a long way. Um, the landmark legislation led by the Senator Joe Biden combined new prohibitions that hold offenders accountable and provide programs and services for domestic violence victims. Um, Between 1993 and 2010, the overall rate of domestic violence dropped nearly two-thirds and state laws have reformed to address these issues. And they need to be addressed because before that, women were not, the men that hurt the victim were not taken accountable of their actions and it's sad because they go on living their lives 
knowing they've committed fear. Right, yeah what and they yeah and the men just live their lives knowing they committed this violence and saying I can get away with this yeah and we also have to take into account that this also goes both ways mm -hmm. you know it can be men or women that that can be abused from you know their spouse which is domestic mm -hmm. violence yeah and yeah it's this is just crazy and again a lot of people I think a lot of women back then they didn't speak up because they knew that if they did there'd be more consequences yeah and that the men could just probably hurt them more yeah. which they obviously didn't want yeah. yeah and that's mostly how they like grew up because it was that's also what they saw in their household like mm -hmm. oh yeah, yeah like the men disappeared so, so they, they, right. they saw it as normal they couldn't say anything yeah, yeah. basically they were normalized to mm -hmm. a lot of how we're normalized to a lot of things in this generation mm -hmm. exactly and I don't know if you guys knew, but on average, like, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. And during this year, this equates more than 10 million women and men that are physically abused and they're committed domestic violence against. And it's really bad. It's and too much. Yeah, that it should be too much. Like and one in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence. So again, it happens when women by hurt uh, men, but not as often as men violating women. Yeah, but it happens. <coughs> and it still does. And men have to sit in silence because like, they're like, oh my gosh, I just got hit by a woman. And well, I also think that men think they can't speak out too because yeah. if they say like, it's not like it hurts their self-esteem or something. Yeah, I feel like men are like scared to speak up about it because they'll be like seen as weak. Like, mm -hmm. how is a woman gonna hit me? So yeah. they prefer to not say anything. But, and we're also grown up in this generation where men can't hit women. Yeah. But and here we have men. Yeah. This is still going on. One of the problems is that that's the thing. Uh, men, men are—they're—they've been preached their whole lives. You know, don't hit a girl. You're not to hit a girl. So when a woman comes to them and hits them, you know, if there's not much that they can do. Can do, exactly. yeah. Other than go out and get help and find someone, but like the chances of that are are slim to none. Yeah, and that's where um, my bad. Um, that's where law comes to play. Um, when domestic violence, they advocate more towards women. Even though it happens more for women, men are still getting hurt, and the law doesn't back them up always. And they have to sit there and take it because what can I do? Yeah, because I think men also don't speak up because it hurts their pride and Sometimes they won't believe men. Yeah, you know, like well, the woman might try exactly. to flip it. She might try to flip the situation mm -hmm. and say, "No, this is what happened to me." You know, there's always two sides other way around. Story. Yeah, right. Also, that's another thing. Um, I think people are using domestic violence to get what they want, and for people who are really going through it, they can't say it because mm -hmm. um, it's less credible. Exactly. Right. They keep they like these women. And men that come out and say, I got hit, and there's been proof that what happened, nothing happened. And when actual people, actual victims come, they're like, you're not credible because so-and-so did this. Mm -hmm. And so 
they can't get help because no one will listen to them again. Like it happens in a lot of situations, not yeah. just like domestic violence, but like um, the Me Too movement. A lot of women came out that were false, so it like discredited the, the whole up new yeah. upcoming stories, mm-hmm. which puts everything. Because there's people that actually went through it and are yeah. actually suffering. But now they're afraid to speak up because yeah. they think they will be like discredited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it messes up a lot of things for people who are actually going through it. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of signs for domestic violence. For example, uh, if your partner, if you're just starting out in a relationship and your partner seems to be controlling, mm-hmm. that's a sign that, that, that it can possibly lead to domestic, domestic violence. So you just want to kind of watch your signs and also being like aggressively jealous like where are you like every five minutes what are you doing yeah that's not okay i'm still my own person that's that's also a sign of i probably need to get out of this situation Mm -hmm. if they're being very controlling and it doesn't always happen in it i mean it does it happens in um same gender relationships mm-hmm. like if two women are in a relationship that they can have domestic violence but it's more emotional than physical yeah and uh um it's women are they're they're they, they can be bipolar at times you know and their emotions <laughs> okay. can yeah, wow. their emotions can, okay. can start at at in uh at a at a height where it's very high and you know they're happy and then it can easily just go down and when you have two women in a relationship together you know you never know how no, right. but I also think there are reasons to back up their emotions and their emotion levels going everywhere but because you can't always just say they're bipolar and if you need help there's a hotline it's 1-800-799-7233 so don't be afraid to speak don't hesitate to call it's so important you need to speak out even if it's your friend or a family or someone if if it's you you need to speak out you need to get help because it's so important you're not the only one going through this there's someone that can help you there are services just just talk. It's important. And that's it for this segment. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Instagram and Twitter at KSBM underscore TVT, Facebook at KSBM Radio, Snapchat at KSBM Radio underscore TVT. Make sure to follow us at anchor.fm at KSBM Radio and to use all our hashtags at KSBM We Live. Hashtag SBM Family Matters and hashtag SBM Town Youth. Thank you. All the hits are here. Hey, this is Adam Levine from Maroon 5. Hey, this is Ariana Grande. This is Drizzy. All the hits are right there. KSBM Radio. Welcome back to KSBM Radio, the voice of Town Youth. Yep, we're back. And. <laughs> <laughs> So right. we're we're talking about um death, domestic violence at home and how it affects kids. And I don't know if you knew, but one in fifteen children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year. 
and 90% of those children are eyewitnesses to the violence. Yeah, and like, when we say that, we mean like, if children are dragged, in, not like physically dragged, but they're like, used for an excuse, or like, yeah. And it's, it should never happen in front of a child. Um, no. It should never happen at all. Exactly. exactly. But in front of children, it's just so, um, and I feel like, bad parenting. Yeah. I feel like if a kid were to, like, see that in the house, like, every day, it just makes it worse because they feel like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Like, that's also going to happen when I grow up. Right. And um, yeah. kids, they can either, depending on how mature they are and how old they are, they can either take it the right way or the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, for example, Will Smith, his dad abused his mom, and he grew up with the mentality that he's never going to hurt his wife or mentally or physically abuse his wife and you have other people mm -hmm. who grow up and they see that and they think okay that's okay they, hey, that's and they okay don't realize it which is like not good right it's not good at all it's it's like they grow these children into like domestic violence right yeah it's, how they say, it's like a little chain that keeps on going yeah on. yeah that's not good. and imagine how traumatic it is seeing the couple you idolize so much getting into something like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It ruins your whole perspective on being in a relationship with someone, trusting people, mm -hmm. because you're like, what if that happens to me? I, mm -hmm. I don't want to be in that situation. It hurts you before you already have had exactly. experience. Like, I know a lot of people that have trust issues, even though they've never been in a relationship, they've seen it from other people, Yeah, and they are just afraid. It affects how they function in society. And just imagine if you were in that situation you wouldn't know what to do with your relationship with your family is it's kind of ruined you know yeah we don't want that to happen mm -hmm. and you want to be you want to be raised in a loving home and so when you're around that like you guys said it can eventually lead you to having not such a loving home because yeah. you've seen that and you're like oh is it this teaches, what i should do yeah it teaches you that um this is either this can't happen you know yeah and then being a kid is like you look up to your parents so you're like oh i want to be like my mom or i want to be like my dad mm -hmm. not in that situation yeah no and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like um i don't know if it's like whatever the kid's situation is where they whether they see their mom or their dad it's sad and you can't and it's not like the kid some kids do and it isn't that good but they get into that situation they talk they try to stop it and usually the abuse leads on to them right. mm -hmm. and it's sad because these children are just so young and they shouldn't be exposed to this and as a person you should know your boundaries and know that I should not be hitting this woman, men, whatever, but especially in front of a child. Mm -hmm. It totally ruins the child's childhood because when you're older and you think about your childhood, you don't want to remember your parents fighting and hitting each other because that just really, it doesn't put a good story in your head. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it, I think it's becoming more prevalent like the it's, the statistics, <laughs> like the statistics said, um, it's it's it looks like it's happening more and more, and it's not okay. Yeah. It's really not. Yeah. And a lot of people joke about it on social yeah. media, and it's just not funny. Yeah, a lot of people joking, like friends. It's 
It's not okay. It's really not. Should not be idolized at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, but thank you for tuning into this segment. We'll be right back. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at KSBM underscore TVT, on Facebook at KSBM Radio, and on Snapchat at KSBM Radio underscore TVT. Remember to also look us up on anchor.fm at KSBM Radio and use our hashtags KSBM We Live, hashtag SBM Family Matters, and hashtag SBM Then. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Have you saying Your hits This is KSBM Radio The voice of Townview Hi guys, welcome back to KSBM Radio The voice of Townview We are back with another segment On domestic violence This one's about teen domestic violence I don't know if y'all heard But teens like our age are in domestic violence of violence relationships it happens fewer than we realize it's increasing yes it's increasing right so oh you can go ahead one in three girls in the u.s is a victim of physical emotional verbal or verbal abuse from a dating partner which is really high statistics and like roughly 1.5 million high school boys and girls in the u.s admit to being intentionally hit or physically harmed in the last year by someone they were romantically involved with. And, oh. <laughs> and uh, a lot of these days, at, uh, like back in a time where men were like, I guess seen as the more dominant figure and they wanted to portray themselves as the more dominant figure, you had more, win- you had more men hurting women. But now it's starting to get to a point where everything is kind of dividing itself and it's becoming like a half and half type of situation and scenario and this is just domestic violence is, is just increasing by the minute mm-hmm. as, as like even as we're speaking it's just increasing it happens in homosexual and heterosexual relationships so like yeah. if i if like women are in a relationship and men are in a relationship then it like happens which you wouldn't really think about it because you only think about men hitting women but no it could be the opposite or it could be like yeah. different genders because it's it's happening more, and you see it on social media. Women trying to use this dominant act mm-hmm. and use it against them, like with domestic violence. They're being violent towards men, threatening them if they do something, hitting them, and the men knowing they, the girls or boys knowing they can't hit them back. Yes. Yeah. Social media also increases pervasiveness. Uh, because on social media you only want to show your good side so in a relationship you don't see them fighting you don't post about you and your partner fighting you only see them oh happy together so it really hides the actual relationship problems you Mm -hmm. know and the tricky question is do they even know what uh, a unhealthy and healthy relationship looks like because they see things on social media and they're like, oh my gosh, relationship goals. They don't know what, what, what goes really goes on. Exactly. Yeah. A, lot so. of, a lot of that stuff isn't true either. Like you can see a nice couple, I don't know, on the Eiffel Tower standing and taking a picture. And then behind closed doors, that woman or that man, or maybe both of them are abusing each other. You yeah. Know? And it's become more idolized like... YouTube, the YouTube families, and I don't know if you heard of, I don't know what they're called. I think it's like the Prince family or something. Well, Damien Bianca? Yeah, I think okay. so. Mm-hmm. And they were, they just do things that make them seem um, 
more, oh, we're a family, we're happy, we got our kids, mm -hmm. we're in a happy relationship, but things, they're just not happy, you know? Because you don't really want bad press, mm -hmm. especially yeah. on your personal relationship. And that affects teens because yeah. they see it and they're like, they're like, I want this, I want this so bad. I want to be in a family like that. I want a boyfriend like that. But the reality of it is, the reality of it is, it's not like that. And mm -hmm. you don't see it. And it happens a lot in teens, but a lot people don't speak up about it because they're like afraid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like teenage kids are like they're like they see all these happy people on mm -hmm. social media and stuff and they keep on holding on to that relationship because they just want it to work so bad exactly so they take exactly. everything like all the bad things and they're like oh it's okay like it'll blow off but mm -hmm. i'm gonna make this work like i have to make it work mm -hmm. and whether people realize it or not this is like a form of manipulation when you see yeah. things yeah. like this Definitely. on social media of people I guess happy, you can say, and they're and behind closed doors, like mm -hmm. you, know, you really don't know what's going on. Yeah, they're being catfished into happiness. And <laughs> yeah, a lot of reasons why teens don't speak up because of like ignorance, because they don't know any better. They don't. Sometimes they don't realize it's this kind of relationship because domestic violence, as itself, is not very um, known. Mm -hmm. Not. Uh, I don't know the word. It's not something that's very spoken of. Yeah, it's not. Part. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know, like, when a teen, they're going through that situation, they're going through abuse, um, there are some long-term consequences, like alcoholism, eating disorders, thoughts of suicide, and violent behavior, because that's what they're... And that's what they see. Yeah, after violence ends, it's it's a hard time too because right. they're in high risk behaviors, drugs, alcohol. They don't know who to use. talk to. Yeah, and it's in, it's so important. Like talk to someone to keep yourself healthy. To yeah. keep yourself yeah. yourself in a good state of mind. Mm -hmm. And there, I believe, like I said earlier, they're scared to speak out because. In high school, you're around these people, and rumors go around, mm -hmm. and you don't want people to think little of you. Exactly. And you, you want to be popular and have it all, but like, you feel embarrassed. Mm -hmm. If you end your relationship with like, the popular guy, then you're gonna, it's like over for your social status. Yeah, imagine. But not even that. I feel like they fear that. Oh, I'm gonna be too, like talking bad about because they're gonna be like, oh, you're lying about that. Yeah, exactly. it's not real. But Stop like, making you up. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of where the uh, ignorance plays a part mm -hmm. in the situation. Yeah, a lot of. Um, a lot of a lot of things like this is happening more and more. And a lot of teens, um, they don't consider it domestic abuse. It's like, Oh, we're just playing. Maybe yeah. yeah. We're yeah. just we're just playing. This is how we are. He's just goofing off, you know, or she's just goofing off. But it's really not like Yeah. That. And they should know and it should be taught that what a healthy relationship is, what it should look like and how you should go about, you know, going through a situation like that. It should be told that it's okay to speak out. And yeah. And it's scary because if you're going through that situation, you don't know what to do. And yeah, and I think people should also know what a toxic relationship looks like, yeah. so that it doesn't happen to themselves. So they know, oh, if this is happening 
in there, then that's domestic violence. And if it's happening with me, then I should end this relationship because mm-hmm. it's not good for me. It's bad. Yeah, and it's, it's not like they don't have examples of what a toxic relationship is. Like, for example, Dr. Brown, she was just seen here, and she wrote a book explaining how what how and what her experience was. And as far as, you know, a couple saying that they're playing, if your partner gives you some type of rules, I don't know, say a black eye, like I assure you that they are not playing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's not the only person that's there for you. There's people that will actually love you and care for you. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to go through it and just be like, oh, it's... That person's just hitting me because they love me. Well, no. Not really. If they love you, why are they hitting you? Yeah, exactly, in the first place. I'm pretty sure everybody that that is the host right now, all of our mothers are crazy. They'll do just just about anything for us to keep us safe. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, so what are are some recent stories y'all heard about domestic violence? Um, Well, I've heard, uh, actually, like from the HuffPost, France is trying to debate how legally how to legally address violence against women and you know since the beginning of the year 104 women in France have reportedly been killed because they were women and then now the country is debating issues of domestic violence including whether the term femicide like is should it be a penal code should um they actually they're really just trying to figure out how to go about it because women, violence against women wasn't talked about there. Mm-hmm. And France, uh, France is, is holding a kind of formal um, nationwide conversation on domestic violence, and which began earlier this month and is scheduled to continue through November 25th, the national International Day of the Elimination of Violence Against Women. During this time, French and French officials and lawyers as well as associations representing victims and their families are meeting across the country to discuss ways to prevent these crimes and how offenders should be punished and I think this is a topic that should have been talked about so long ago Mm -hmm. because all of these deaths that's just too crazy that's too much that's that's a sign they should have done something yeah Yeah. from the first yeah from from the the start start. Yeah. yeah It should have been talked about. It should have been already a legal code because mm-hmm. it happens everywhere, not just in the United States. Male dominance, female dominance in their own, you know, mind, it happens everywhere. And mm-hmm. is there any like is there anything they can do, you know? Yeah, because a lot of times laws take a long time to like process because the first before it comes a law it's a bill yeah it goes through so many stages oh and it takes forever to become a law and mm-hmm. it takes forever to impose the law too what, yeah what's the name of that uh, school rock song oh yeah uh, i'm just a bill yeah i'm just yeah a, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it showed that it took a long time for the bill to become a law. But yeah, and some people don't have that time. Like, exactly. Yes. These deaths are like, this is, it's happening now. It cannot wait. Mm-hmm. This is something that they should have been working on, being that this has been going on for so long. Mm-hmm. And, and just like, not even just in America or in, you know, just a general area has been going on throughout human history exactly. for years mm-hmm. and years history. and centuries. Um, and yeah. The history that we're taught to us. Mm-hmm. And you know it. 
then too. Also, um, according to NY Post, Republic Airways employees are fired after domestic violence incident um, on the jetway. Basically, there was a dramatic video that captured a moment on the airway where the pilot and his female co-worker exchanged blows on the um, jetway in Denver in what was described as domestic incidents, according to the reports. The violent incident occurred during the, a layover on September 14 at Denver International Airport, where the footage captures the pilot apparently spitting at the woman and then, yeah, and then he slaps her, he punches her, he punches her in her rib, mm -hmm. and, and in her face, like, it was really bad, and you see it, and it's really sad, and apparently they have been in a ro romantic relationship. And that's terrible, because it's in public, and that just, yeah. like, during work, mm -hmm. that just shows you what kind of person you are, a very mm -hmm. bad person. This is why you shouldn't mix loving business class. Mm -hmm. yes. Keep your love life separate from your work. And if you notice signs, get out of that situation. Yeah, and a lot of people should have reported that if they saw it. Especially on the plane. I'm not sure on how they uh, prosecuted them, but I'm, I'm very glad that they took a step into firing him because keeping him there, there's been situations where they just leave it, leave it alone because it's like the woman did fight back and she was trying to. And She's just trying to protect herself. Yeah. And with the signs, like, don't second guess yourself. If you notice a sign, you need to immediately address it or just get out of the relationship that you're in because, like, you don't know where it can lead. And you don't want it to happen again. Right. Because mm -hmm. if it happens again, then they know they have authority over you and it'll happen repetitively and you won't be able to get out of it. Yeah, or sometimes, like, you'll tell them you're leaving and they'll <coughs> hurt you and they'll be like, leave and this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And so you don't leave. Martin Lawrence also did that to his wife back when he was younger. He was like, if you leave, uh, he didn't he didn't necessarily say that he'll kill her, but he implied it. Mm -hmm. So here comes the consequences. Right, yeah. right. And it basically got out to the media. And he was like, shame. He was shame for that. Should have been. Why would you say something like that? It's not, it's not okay. Yeah, but sorry guys. Unfortunately, we're going to have to end this segment. Um, follow us at Instagram and Twitter at KSBM underscore TVT. Uh, on Facebook at KSBM Radio and on Snapchat at KSBM Radio underscore TVT. Don't forget to use the hashtag KSBM We Live, SBM Family Matters, and SBM Tommy. Thank you. Thank you. Like a battle